All right, well, hey everyone, welcome to the Cabal Cast. You've got me, Jason, Wode over there in the green hat, and then we've got Reptar down in the bottom holding down the ones and twos today. Hell yeah. So, this is our first episode, so we're going to tell you a little bit about why we're doing what we're doing. I've been doing this for since revised, so it's been a minute. Uh, worked with Ogre at one point, helping run his store. Anyone who's in magic knows who Ogre is. Now an owner in an LGS in St. Louis, been on a binder ground, and recently purchased a house, financed the down payment using magic cards. And I have way less experience than that, because I started in Amonkhet, and uh, do not have an LGS, and do not know who Ogre is. So, <laughs> how do you not... I am relatively new to the game, obviously, both through uh, the actual game itself and the finance side. I jumped on basically just online churn type stuff, eBay, Cardsphere, TCG Player, Facebook, selling, buying, whatever it may be, making my own way until I met these guys and started hanging out and chatting and learning the ways of the game uh, a little more deeply. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm the noob in the group, but I have some interesting insights coming from that side of things as well so it's been fun to learn and to uh, try some new things and uh, come up with some new ideas that make some money in the industry so yep uh i'm peter i've been playing since uh, about onslaught i was a backpacker up until i think 2011 when i started actually paying attention to finance and prices um and i've always been interested in legacy and vintage so finance for me was a way to get into there and through that, I've started buying collections locally, uh, flipping them, you know, finished my legacy and vintage stuff, and then I've been just churning ever since, uh, grinding where I can, and just trying to make this game a little more financially viable than it can be. Uh, so, uh, with that, that's the the three of us. So, what we're what we kind of done over the past, what would you guys say, like six months has been from the beginning of the experiment to now? Like I we started we small? Out, I think we went official in on August 19th or something like that. Yeah, okay. it's been like um, a little over a month. It hasn't been yeah. too long at all. Yeah. Uh, that we've come, uh, we've come together uh, as a group and kind of uh, focused our powers officially. Before that, we'd done it on uh, some other smaller targets. Um, we kind of experimented with this with uh, Temporal Trespass. We just tried to game MTG stocks to see if we could get Temporal yeah. Trespass to show up on the risers and see what would happen. Uh, we've messed with Hatred a little bit, and I think it was actually Hatred where people just kind of noticed, like, we could actually move the needle on some of these played reserve list cards and pull some off the market, hold them, and release them slowly into organic demand. Not pump and dump, not just pull stock to zero and sit on things forever. No. Just organically do I'm this. I about my boy Pendril Mists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pendril Mists. Was, I didn't get in on Pendril Mists. That's why I forgot about it. Yeah, that, that was that was Cody and I. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. It's like we, we've released them into organic demand, and there's this mystique that everyone's like, Oh, you're spiking these cards, you're spiking these cards. Like It's an unregulated market, and the market will always win. So if the market is there to support Pendril Miss at 10 to $15 when it was 5 
that's the market at work, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of uh, where we are with, you know, our cabal. You know? Yeah. It's just a bunch of us that came together to, to try and do this. And what has made this pretty easy has been Cardsphere. So prior to Cardsphere and that time between Temporal Trespass and August, we were just doing things individually through TCG Player or eBay, whatever uh, outlet we chose, buy lists for some. Facebook, buy lists, whatever it was, yep. yeah. And the organic demand that we kind of see is Cardsphere now. And yeah. uh, we've got a, a couple developers with us that uh, build our very bare bones tools so we can scrape MKM and we have uh, lists to see what the band looks like in Europe and pull from there if we need. And we have somebody who's uh, actually scraping CS just to see how many cards are being off, uh, being requested on how many different accounts. And we make our moves kind of like that. And uh, Woad actually takes care of that entire side of the business. He's single-handedly churning card sphere for us. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's, uh... yeah. So it, it basically just goes even. Um, there's also there's a lot of data to it, but then there's also just some intuition to it as well. And um, but I think a lot of the guys in our group and and some of us just. Uh, I know we had a guy that called the whole hollow one bridge below. Yeah. Uh, Everybody got in on bridge blows. Everybody got in on um, the walking blisters, hanger back walkers, all that fun stuff. So um, yeah. there's a little bit of that as well. And then just the natural churn of, hey, if I can buy a Snapcaster at $45 because I got a good deal or because I bought a collection and I can sell a Snapcaster at $60, then, you know, that's pretty easy. Obviously, you're going to go for it, yeah. yeah. And so there's, there's uh, you know, the restricted or the reserve list. Um, buy outs where you're trying to find the organic demand for cards that just haven't um, haven't gone up yet there's the churn of the staples of the formats that everyone wants to play especially modern um, that just allow you to if you can buy low and sell high it's the simplest game in the business it's an easy thing to say but if you can do it hey it actually works it's like when you're trying to lose weight if you can burn more calories and you eat hey guess what you lose weight same yeah. thing with making money um, so I think we've just found that it's really there's there's some definitely some tools you can use, and it, but for me, um, from when I started before working working with these guys and now working with these guys, a lot of it's just patience and a little bit of diligence in in setting up your lists and doing the things you're doing, and it just kind of works itself. So yeah, and you work tirelessly tirelessly on this just that churn, like that's yeah no joke. Like I honestly no. didn't think I argued for a couple of days that we would not be able to churn as much. Uh, stock as we would and it's not in terms of like churn to make profit just churn to refresh the stock I didn't yeah. think we'd churn as much as we did and you know lo and behold like if you target the right cards on Cardsphere and you're quick with your offers and you set up the right deals you work with the same people again and again which we do it becomes super easy to just churn through all this stuff yeah I don't know exactly what our numbers are in the past couple of months. Fade, Fade would know that, but I know we're up significantly. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I th yeah. Somewhere in the neighborhood, it sounds small, but like 12, at least 12%, I think that's the floor. Like if we liquidated yeah. everything, we're up 12% uh, on the starting number. Right. And 
that was a week or two ago. Right. Yeah, and that's just buy list, not actual like retail air quotes on what that would be. So that's yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. For for me to churn like once you go to a couple of GPs, you get in with a couple of vendors and just like know them. Uh, Moose Loot is a great example. If you ever at a GP and you need to dump stuff or you need to pick something up, I cannot stress enough, Moose Loot is one of the best vendors out there. They will take care of you, they will make sure you have a good experience, and they're flexible on their numbers. So I, that, that was up until I hooked up with you guys, uh, how I was doing a lot of my turn. That and Facebook, you know, Sick Deals is awesome. Can't recommend that group enough. And we, and we use Sick Deals a lot. Yeah, yeah. Lot of our cards. yeah. Because it's actually the the thing about buying and selling cards is that the buying part is super easy. Um, yeah. And it's the selling part that is a little bit more challenging. And you can build up stock and build up stock and build up stock. But if you have nowhere to put it and you can't turn it into money, then you just have a bunch of stock. And so if you want to be able to churn cash, have dividends, uh, you know, different things like that, then you have to have good outs to turn it into cash. And Cardsphere can be an out, and there's a lot of, we send, I don't know, five, six, seven thousand dollars a month on Cardsphere. But Facebook's a good out because, sick deals, because it allows us to just turn it straight into PayPal cash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Discord, even Discord groups can even be a good out because uh, they allow you to turn it straight into PayPal cash, different things like that. So it's all about just taking all the tools that are available to us. Um, we don't sell on eBay, but we buy on eBay when we see deals that we just can't pass up or maybe a best offer we can negotiate down or, we or uh, eBay books up or the coupons and off deals yeah. and you just got to utilize basically every yeah. tool that's given to you and um and there's a, there's just a lot of stuff out there that allows you to have success so i think it's a good place to actually sequence to something i want to talk about and uh on the cs account we don't like to move into things that are spiking so a lot of the cards that we're going to mention at the end is our picks or things that have spiked recently aren't cards that were that will buy personally and move into the CS account or look for immediately unless we think we can catch ahead. But yeah. we are not shy of loading big ticket items onto the CS account or pull big cards out of the CS system to churn. Yeah. Um, I think the account has, is it two or three duels currently on it that haven't been sent? Yeah. We have. Um, yeah. And we've picked those up uh, various people that work with us have picked them up. And so the question to ask is about this. Since we're going to be acquiring these and sending them out through Cardsphere, when you know we go out and we look at these large ticket items, like how do you guys kind of approach that when we're looking to, to send through the CS account or even personally uh, on Facebook groups or on eBay or the Discord uh, groups that are out there for like 9394 or uh, the legacy groups? Hi. You first, Cody. Sorry, I, I meant you cut out for just a second in the middle. Can you? Can you are you asking how we out cards essentially? No, no. Oh, uh, pick them up. Like so, a lot of people are afraid to pick up large ticket items, dual lens power, etc. Sight unseen. Uh, you know, on the internet. What What are we doing in these instances to kind of uh, ensure ourselves on the way in? Yeah. So, well, I mean, with eBay. Uh, with TCG Player, which we don't really, we never really buy on TCG Player because no. it's TCG Player prices. But for eBay, um, you have buyer protection. I mean, essentially, if you get a get something that's fake, you're not supposed to get whatever. You just say, hey, eBay, this is fake, you know. And it's a process, but you get your money back. Card Sphere is the same way. Um, if you get sent a big ticket item, it's fake. Um, your money's held in escrow. 
you just report it, take pictures, show that it's fake, you get all your money back, whatever. Um, Discord, I only buy from people that I trust. Same thing on Facebook, whether it's in the groups um, that they're in, that they have references. If they don't have good references, PayPal Goods and Services um, to make sure that in case they send you fakes, bad condition, they don't show up, whatever it may be. Um, and you only, you just try the best you can to deal with people that you've built a relationship with because hopefully you can get better prices from them. You can buy things in bulk. Um, and, you know, we may buy $2,000 in cards from somebody. Um, and so they get to dump $2,000 in cards at one time. And we maybe over the course of a month can turn that $2,000 in cards to $2,800 in cards. Mm -hmm. And then minus shipping, maybe it's like $2,600 in cards. So um, <clears throat> we just look at all that stuff. And since we can hold a bunch of inventory, um, then it allows us to put packages together for people, whether it's through Facebook or Cardsphere, whatever it may be, um, that we can maximize our shipping costs and things like that. So, I mean, right now on Cardsphere, we have $4,000 um, in cards going out. There's $3,000 in cards coming in, and I know I have a bunch of Facebook sales um, that I have to go and look through as well. So there's probably somewhere around $5,000 in cards on their way out right now. Um, yeah. So there's basically, like I said, just the, all the different tools that there are to buy. Um, you just have to figure out what ways make them work for you and what you're doing, um, and then and make sure you protect yourself uh, because, unfortunately, there are a lot of, of bad actors yeah. in the community and bad actors in, in the finance world especially because there's, I mean, I just named large numbers. There's, there's big yeah. money involved. There's so a lot there's of money thrown around for people to, to do things wrong, and so you have to <clears> be prepared to protect yourself from those people. Yeah, like for me, I one of my biggest things is it kind of depends on the item. Obviously, references are big. There's a few vendors I know if they vouch for someone, hey, you know, that's all I need. That's fine. Because like at the end of the day, this is a reputation-based industry. So, you know, is is someone going to ruin their reputation over? $20 Shockland or something. Generally speaking, no, so I may be a little bit too trusting, but you know, by and large, if it's someone that like owns a store or has a podcast or something, they're not going to ruin their reputation on a fake. Yeah. Uh, you know, customer service is king here. That's why you have the same vendors at every SCG. They, You know the experience you're getting when you walk in the door. You know, MTG uh, Mint is going to be great. You know, Card Monster is going to be good. You know, what you're getting with ARG, all the way down the line. So for me, a lot of times, it's just, you know, I first look at the dollar amount. Is it less than 100 bucks? All right, whatever, fine. I'll send you friends and family. I know you'll make it right one way or the other if it doesn't show up. But when it comes to higher ticket items, Unless it's someone I know or trust, I'll never buy power without looping it myself. Just because maybe it's paranoia, but someone can take any picture from a group with a loop and just send that to me instead of an actual photo. Yeah. Um, yeah power is a different monster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, dual lands, you know, just like Cody said, you've got buyer protection there working for you with PayPal, goods and services, however you want to do it. Um, and then, you know, just... A lot of that stuff, I'll go to a GP and I'll arrange the sales ahead of time, meet up with someone and say, hey, I'm going to be at this event. Will you be there? Cool. Let's handle the swap. Like anything that's over, you know, five, six thousand $6,000 on the sale, mm -hmm. I always want to do face-to-face. -face. I never want to, you know, oh, I'll just send you a couple grand. Although I say that and I have definitely done that with some of the sick deals admins. So let me <laughs> stop myself right there. Fair. But again, that's that's the reputation. Yeah. You know, those those guys aren't going to risk their reputation or the reputation of the group 
for you know some power. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I always like to do things uh, in person. You know, uh, playing back in onslaught and starting to pick up my duels at twenty dollars a piece. There's just something to to me about seeing them before I, I buy. And luckily, through transactions, now I haven't had a problem. And what's kind of burned me over time, and the reason I do everything in person now, is Magic Online Traders League. When that was a thing, it might still be oh, the precursor. Modal. Modal. Yeah. yeah. Before Card Sphere, before Puka Trade, before a number of things, was Magic Online Traders League, and it was basically just a bulletin board where you put your haves and your wants, and you send and you hope. And I got burned uh, twice, and I stopped that. And it's why I haven't bought, I never bought into Puka, and I was hesitant to buy into Card Sphere. Uh, but I do do work on Facebook because, as was mentioned, this is a reputation-based industry now. And when you're moving any kind of product at a decent volume, there are people that are that might burn you, but generally not because they want to keep their revenue source there. Wow. They don't want to just yeah. burn things. People don't just jump into a Facebook group, try and sell off their entire collection and burn half the people they're selling. So at this point, that's where I do uh, a lot of my work. And to speak to uh, the point about looping things yourself and part of why I still do things uh, locally is because and I know this is one of the things we never want to talk about. It just, it just happens to be sitting on my desk. This is a plateau I ordered as a proxy. And in a photo, this thing is going to look really good. But the moment you light test this, or the moment you loop this, it's just going to be an egregious sight. So it, yeah. just, it sits on my desk in a sleeve that says proxy. Yeah. And that yeah. is what that's what's... I worry about the reason I just kind of stay in my lane and do everything uh, physically. When it comes to outing, I will usually buy a list. It's kind of my my jam, um, just because I I do know some vendors and I can set up large deals ahead of time. Uh, I'm also not too far from a handful of major cities that have large vendors, so I can always just drive my product down when I need to. Uh, sending uh, duels away to people on Facebook isn't something I haven't done before, but it's always something I worry about. So I always uh, get nervous when I do that, but it is an out I take. Uh, and it makes just it makes things pretty easy and pretty comfortable right now. And it makes our work with the Cabal pretty easy and pretty straightforward and really streamlines kind of you know, everything, the entire process. Yeah, well, it's a if it wasn't for the onerous fee structure on TCG Player, I mean, it, it, Facebook effectively gets you the same audience. Yeah. You know, you, you put in 20, 15, 20 minutes of work to make the post right, and then out you go to the thousands. Yeah. And they'll pick it up. Yep. I think the only post I've ever had a problem with was a candelabra into the misprints group because it was, like, misaligned on the front but not miscut on the back. And they were like, yeah. it's not... Enough for us. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, everything's just been silk. It is. Yeah. It's perfect. Um. And so, you know, covering our our ins and our outs. Oh, I guess one of the questions that can be asked is how quickly do we move on 
uh, new information. Like, you know, we've got a star city that's running right now. Last week we had a PTQ running. When, when that happens, how quickly do we try and action uh, our CS account or our PayPal cash to try and pick up what we think is going to be worth it for us? That's going to have a high churn chance or high churn percentage. So, like, I, mean, I think we generally move as soon as possible on those things. Like, I think we have 15 or 20 people in the group, and there's always someone watching the newest 5 0 decks, the SCGs, the PPTQs, whatever it may be. There's always someone watching for us and letting us know hey, this card, whether it's Arc Light Phoenix, Fine Finality, Creeping Chill, Explosion, like, we're in on yeah. all those that are going up right now from um, this most recent set. And so, uh, I think there's enough of us that just have a good idea of what makes a good magic card, and then there's enough of us that are watching to see, hey, yes, this actually does make a good magic card, because it's it's showing that it does. Um, and I, thankfully, none of us bought into Assassin's Trophy being a $30 card or a $100 foil, mm, because I, we realized, hey, it's... I, I lost money on that. Bet. Oh, well... <laughs> Well, well, he he won't yeah. be here next week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Help. But uh, I think, I mean, in Assassin Trophy is a good card. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it is a standard rare, and oh, so yeah. there's a, and a, shot and a very set. heavily open set, and so yeah. you know there's gonna be supply issues associated with it as well. So, and it'll be a good. It's a good card now. It'll be a good card in ten years. But it's just in the environment that it's in now. It's just got so much supply and so much. It does have a lot of demand, but. Everybody thinks as soon as they open it, oh, I got a hundred dollar bill sitting here, so I got to sell it. And then yeah. everybody goes to sell it. Nobody wants to buy it because everyone knows it's going to go down. Yep. That's so it just the there's that kind of stuff too. So, so you yeah. got to know those things going in when you, especially when you're approaching new sets and stuff. So, so uh, a a good question to ask is some of the cards that we talked about just now were small ticket items right before they pop. So things like expansion explosion and uh, find finality when it was first released. Uh, you know, did we? Do we want to wait on results from those cards before we say, okay, now's the time to get it? So, so expansion explosion. People were talking about it being the is it Sphinx's rev for this set, but didn't put up any results until the PTQ. Is that something that we could, as a group, like jump on? Or does that make sense for us? Does it make sense for the regular speculator, or should they be looking until results hit and opening their spectrum and seeing? Who's doing what? I, yeah, I think on stuff like that, like Expansion Explosion specifically, because it was like 25, 30 cents when mm -hmm. it came yeah, At out. that point, are you really losing that much if you're wrong? Yeah, <laughs> like, it, you know, you, you see a card and you're like, oh, I could see this being good. It's 25 cents, I'll get 10 of them, yep. sure. So you spend $2.50 on those 10 cards, and then a week later, Card Kingdom has them buy listed for $1.70. Well you know, you're up, you know, 500% at that point. So really, it doesn't hurt to do that. And I think that's one of the things about new sets that a lot of people who are just getting into the speculation game can actually make use of. Because you see a card like that, and you're like, oh, this is good, it's 25 cents, sure. Or if you play a lot of modern, you see Creeping Chill, and you think, man, this is an extra clock for Dredge or Bridgevine. I could maybe see this being worth it. Foils are like, two three dollars on release day mm -hmm. uh, you know get a play set worst case scenario you lose five six bucks yeah but best case you sell them for ten each um 
So on the low ticket stuff, I think that's the type of thing that anybody can get into. I, I think if you're just starting out, you absolutely owe it to yourself to get involved at like the ground level of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's that's just me. Yeah, new sets are the perfect place to start for new people because a, a ton of the cards come out worthless because people just don't know and there's always going to be the three or four super hyped cards and those cards are going to be all the value in the you know originally and don't buy into the super hyped cards at pre at, before they've even released on eBay people selling them for oh, $60 a piece or something yeah. don't buy those no they'll be after the release comes through after release comes yeah. through you get to you get to go play with the cards you can see other people play with the cards you get to watch it happen like just kind of be paying attention and there's going to be a lot of 25 cents cards you can get into i mean scarab god was like a three dollar card when yeah. our devastation came out i remember that and it was and then for a long time in standard it was a 30 or 40 dollar card when it was the king of standard and so yep. um you know there's these cards that people just before you started playing with it like when you before you play with scarab god you're like eh it's kind of interesting kind of cool and then you realize wow this card is amazing i can pay four mana and copy anything in the graveyard and make it a 4-4 and get the ETB and whatever it may be so um, yeah you just start noticing those things the more you play and the more uh, the more you get involved in it so now uh, as far as CS was concerned with uh, the small ticket items you know you're looking for an arbitrage opportunity they're basically trying to pick them up from a single vendor or as many people as you can on TCG player and then loading up on CS and sending those out in the first week or two with the small ticket items, did you see a lot of churn on those? So when we looked at Expansion Explosion and they were like 25, 30 cents, and we talked about whether or not we should load any into the account because we weren't sure on churn or even request any, has anything changed from that? Um, so I think uh, for me, Card Sphere, the way I've used it is it's I think a lot of the users are pretty savvy to the way new sets work, and so and and Cardsphere provides a lot of tools for their users as well to make sure that they don't get blown out by price spikes and everything like that. So when you load up a card to your want list on Cardsphere, if it spikes more than ten percent, it caps it there, mm -hmm. and and then it stays there. And so um, and that's good for the user. Yeah. Um, but it's it's bad if you're trying to quick sell spike card, right? So. Um, and, and some people may adjust those prices, and those may be real prices, but because the site itself caps them, it doesn't really allow you to churn out cards as well. And, okay. and that's okay, and I think that's a good tool. Um, and it's, I think it's more important to have safety for the users than for me to be able to unload cards at inflated prices, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even now there's people on cards for over, offering $2 um, on Expansion Explosion at this moment. Um, and they were, you know, 25 cents. So um, there's definitely money to be made out there on them. So a week later, um, but it, for for and, and for mass selling, like if you had a hundred expansion explosions, now you can sell a hundred of them. Yeah, a dollar seventy. You don't. You're not going to sell a hundred of them on card sphere because it's individual peer-to-peer -peer users, right? And so um, th there's there's a few people that run buy lists like we do. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, it's just peer-to-peer, -peer, and maybe somebody wants a playset, maybe somebody wants one foil for, for a commander, EDH, whatever it may be. Um, but if you're wanting to buy 100 or 200 or something and sell 100 or 200 or something, that's going to be... You're going to have to buy a list. Yeah. 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 Um, nobody else is buying in that kind of in that kind of volume. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that, that comes to knowing your outs. Like, regardless of whether we're doing this for the group or individually, an idea behind picking up a card when it's spiking or a lot of a certain number amount of cards is knowing what you're going to be doing with it. Right. right. Uh, I think that's a lot of uh, good information to cover for, like, an intro to what we do. And over time, we'll dive a little deeper into exactly, you know, how... Uh, where we work and a lot of how we churn through stuff. We just don't want to get too deep into it. Uh, but I guess one of the things that we can do that's kind of you know par for the course, standard for the industry is between the three of us, going forward, let's say in the next week or two, if you had to pick one or two cards to say, this card is going to go up, I see it coming, uh, the chance for either arbitrage is there or get out, like when you can, what would it be? Cody? Cody. So uh, whenever this this idea came up, um, what I like to use is um, just demand, um, generally speaking, rather than looking at anything else. And since I kind of manage all the churn and the buying and selling and everything, um, I get to see looking at Cardsphere and looking at where we're selling other things just the general demand for cards and who actually wants what at what prices and how much they want of them and and the fact that those offers stay means that people aren't really willing to send them at those prices, right? So like on Cardsphere, somebody wants to offer $14 on, a, on an M19 Crucible of Worlds, yep. it shows up on my send page because I have a bunch of them. And they're staying on my send page at a very good offer because everyone thinks M19 Crucible of Worlds is, is bottomed, right? So. Um, it's kind of fun to follow that information and, and to kind of see where it leads you. And so to me, it feels like from watching that, that um, the A25 uh, ports have definitely bottomed and people are offering, you know, near retail for them and people aren't getting yeah. And the same really? thing with M19 Crucibles. Yep. Um, and then Lily of the Last Hope is one that I've been following for a long time. Basically all of Eldritch Moon I love. Um, there's so many good cards in Eldritch Moon that I think have a really high ceiling. Um, to go up over time, Spellqueller, Grimflayer, Lily the Last Hope. Yep. Uh, even down, I think Alliance is a great Traverse. card that can see play, even as a even as an uncommon. Imprison in the Moon is an incredible EDH card. Yeah, we've been talking about Imprison for a while. Foils on forever, yeah. and so Eldritch Moon is just incredible in general. But Lily the Last Hope is potentially over time going to become better than Lily of the Veil, vale, I think. Um, yeah. And so that one has just continued to climb and continued to climb. And I think everybody's seen that. Um, so those are kind of some of the ones that I've been following closely and watching and stocking up on and just trying to buy them whenever I see good offers out there or um, oh yeah, look at that. I buy those almost immediately just because I think we're at the bottom on a lot of those or, or we're near the for, for Lily the last open not at the bottom obviously cause she no. has been but she's still on her way up I think for sure oh yeah absolutely her, her price chart I've got it up now from stocks has just been going up since uh, almost I guess for the last year since IMA. Yeah. She's been right. steadily on the upswing. Very good. Uh, yeah. For me, mine, and uh, shout out to Pablo for this one, I thought it independently of him, but he confirmed. I actually think Takatli Honor Guard, short term, is a really good pickup. It shuts down the Golgari decks in standard hard, because everything's based on an ETB. So there was that mono-white deck that ran four of the main at the PTQ last weekend. Okay. It got like fourth or fifth um, it ran four main deck to Kotlyana Guard, four main deck Remorseful Spirit, like all of the mono white hate bears that are relevant right now. Uh, the dinosaur that's like the Kismet effect. 
Oh, okay, um, yeah. It also should be in the sideboard of Jeskai. Because bringing that in game two against Golgari seems real strong because it shuts down their Chupacabras. So they basically have to have their Contempts, yep. their Trophies, or a Vraska. And if you're... Look, I run, I play Golgari. If I have to use Vraska to kill your Takapi Honor Guard, I am losing that game. There is no way. And I think right now Honor Guards are like 25 cents or uh, something like that. That's just... Yeah, it looks like 50 cents or below. The foils are less than a dollar, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I just think, yeah, the pre-release foils are $1.22 low. So there's, like, no reason that that card shouldn't be, like, 2 to $3. Yeah. And uh, it's not, like, standard solved, but we've definitely kind of coalesced down into maybe three or four decks that we should be seeing for the next couple of months. So any cards that we're looking at for standard in particular should just continue to rise as kind of up here and uh the other thing that Takatli has going for it is that recently you've had people like saffron olive start playing the card yeah uh in his lists and i don't know if he's done any videos with it <clears throat> yet but i the moment something the with, moment he does yeah it's a five dollar card the Picasso effect is real yeah yeah that's, that is I, absolutely i may not like him as a player but he absolutely one million percent. His cult of personality is great for the finance game. Yeah, uh, and like sticking on that channel or knowing when those articles drop can definitely put you ahead of a lot of things. Uh, for me, my call would have been last week. I was actually last week uh, expansion explosion. Right, yes, what it was, was about fifty cents. Um, yeah, there was no magic coverage. And so Star City was hosting Todd Anderson playing the PTQ, and I watched him round two, round three, round four just blow people out with uh, Expansion Explosion. And I just... Yeah. I moved in on it, and it's now over $3. I think the buy list on it is $150. Uh, I think this card is okay to buy into if you have the ability to get rid of it close to retail. So if you're buying yeah. it for 3 and getting rid of it for five, you're going to come out a little bit ahead after like the 12% TCG player fees. Trading is going to be yeah. better, or Facebook is, or Card Sphere is going to be the way to go for that. Um, I actually think Niv Mizzet is going to. It's got. It, it should pop soon. It's, it's a great casual card. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's also a great finisher in standard right now. Yeah, that, then that's why. So also in that Jeskai list were, I think, two Niv-Mizzets in the main and another one or two in the yep. board. And people have just been playing Niv-Mizzet main and board this entire week since. I think Sam Black talked about it in the Pro Points podcast from yeah. last week with Mike Sigrist uh, about Niv-Mizzet. And I think this card will hold value better longer because of uh, what was mentioned in the fact this is a great EDH card. Like of the three yeah. Niv Mizzets, it's probably great casually. I if you want to play Niv Mizzet Tribal, yeah, yeah. Niv Mizzet Tribal. Uh, yeah, you got three of them, right? Yeah, you may as well. Yeah, uh, I think he's the best one. Niv Mizzet Tribal. I think oh, he's. Okay. I think he's the best one as well, and thus he's probably going to hold value uh, a little bit longer. And I can see him being probably a seven to eight dollar card long run for the non-foil but that's like years down the road immediately i think he'll be a five dollar card and at 
maybe somewhere between a dollar fifty and two dollar pickup right now. I think that's the way to go. But you're also looking like two or three weeks out. Right now we have a Grand Prix going on in is it Philly or Pittsburgh? That's standard. That's in the dark. There's no coverage this weekend because Watsi is doing uh, live stream stuff on the Magic Channel. So yeah. once once we have decklist, we'll be able to see what's going on there. And after the PTQ, this will be the next largest standard event, and then we'll probably see a raise in a lot of these cards that haven't kind of caught up to the rest of their archetype yet. Yeah. So. Um, and especially online, I think there's been a lot of, you know, paying attention to that and seeing the streams. Like you said, Todd Anderson yeah. is definitely one of the guys you want to pay attention to because he's going to see that stuff coming a mile away. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, those guys have been talking about uh, Expansion Explosion for two weeks, three weeks now, however long the card's been spoiled. Yeah. Like, it, once I once you see it played, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, but I think we can just kind of wrap it up here. We, I think it's enough for episode one of the Cabalcast, and we'll try and get the audio out onto all major podcasting networks as soon as possible. Uh, we'll also try and make this a four-host four show, but uh, our fourth host was running a little late. And in the future, you can definitely expect a couple of guest spots from people that we know within the industry. We should be able to pop in and give a little more insight into market movements and things like that. Uh, but in the meantime, where can we find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, just Jason Thurston, and I am very vain, wearing the Kanye shirt that says, I'm not even going to lie, I love me so much right now. So it's just me as my profile picture. Find me there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook, Cody Brown. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, TX Card Pirate, and I'm on Cardsphere, uh, Worldworks, and uh, I've uh, you should see me on the leaderboard somewhere. Generally speaking, yeah. MTG um, Underground is where you can find us on Cardsphere, by the way. Yeah, oh, MTG yeah. Underground is the uh, is where you can find the the crew on Cardsphere as well. Yep. So, um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm Peter Kritzberger, and you can find me on Twitter at it's underscore duh underscore Pete. Uh, and I'll probably be updating that to reflect my Discord and uh, Reddit user handles shortly, so I'm a lot easier to find in multiple spheres at once. Oh yeah, I'm Wode, I'm Wode works everywhere else too on all yeah. the different things. So. There you go. But all right, guys, thanks for joining us, yeah. and uh, see you next time. Yeah, it was fun. See you guys.